Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you live in New Orleans and you drive around, stop and think for a moment. Do you remember the last time you cursed at a line of trucks blocking the street and causing traffic problems? It was probably a year ago. The reason for the improved traffic situation is changes in the state's tax credit legislation. Special tax credits for filmmakers made shooting movies and TV in Louisiana so attractive it created a booming film industry. The industry grew so big that it made Louisiana at one point the most popular place in America to make a movie. And we came to call ourselves Hollywood South. Then Hollywood itself began to catch on. California started offering similar tax credits and so did Georgia. In a strange business move, Louisiana responded by changing its film tax credits to make it less attractive to shoot in our state. Today, the film business that was once thriving here is all but dead. To explain what happened and what, if anything, can be done to create the sequel, Hollywood South 2, I'm joined by three people from different avenues of the film business. Lenny Allsfeld is president and CEO of FBT Investments. Now, Lenny's been a key player in Louisiana film financing. The last time we talked here at Commanders, things were very different. Lenny, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here. Don Revelo is the assistant business agent for IATSE Local 478. Now, that's the union that covers most crew members in the film business. Uh, Don, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. It is good to have you here. And, and Julie Stokes is a member of the Louisiana legislature. Julie represents District 79. That covers West Metairie and North Kenner. As a CPA, Julie has a better grasp on details of the state's film tax credit situation, probably better than anyone in the legislature. Julie, welcomed out to lunch. Thank you for having me. This is great. Uh, Julie, let's start with you. The legislature was under pressure to close a massive budget gap. Uh, there came to be a growing sentiment in Baton Rouge that the film tax credit system was enriching already wealthy Hollywood film people at the expense of the Louisiana taxpayer. What was supposed to benefit the state and build an industry by offering incentives was in fact bleeding the state dry. Did changing the film tax credit work as planned? Are we in fact saving money now? And was the intent of the new legislation to kill off the film business, or was that unforeseen? Um, you know, I, I think that there's a wide variety of opinions in the legislature, first of all. I mean, there's people like me that are pro-film. And quite frankly, I think that if you're from Baton Rouge, Metairie, Jefferson, St. Bernard, the, Shreveport, yeah. you'd be pro-film. Um, you know, the film business brings a lot of business to our parishes. Now, you know, if, if you look at it as a potential to save the state money... This is what's never going to be revenue positive for the state. 
If you think about it, our top marginal tax rate for individuals is 6%. Our top marginal tax rate for corporations is 8%. Our sales tax rate at the state level is only 4%. So there's no way that a 30% credit was ever going to be revenue positive. That was not the intention. It should have been considered one of those programs that we do for our people. Um, it's for our people, for our, for our businesses, for our people that want to explore creative fields. Um, you know, it's also got a lot of PR value and a lot of excitement and energy to a city and a state that had been decimated by disaster after disaster. But all of a sudden, in a time of utter desperation, it, become, it became the whipping post. And it's very hard to watch. Now, Don, I've seen reported that for a long time, pretty much anybody who wanted to work in the film business in Louisiana was able to get a good paying job. Today, only 37% of your union members are employed at any one time. The film business is very competitive and very attractive. I doubt that 100% of your members are working in many other filmmaking hubs around the country. How different is the current 37% employment uh, from other cities? Um, from other cities, we're seeing that, um, obviously, right now, Atlanta has quite a boom. Um, California has started coming back up quite a bit because they've increased their incentives, and they've learned that that they should start doing more uh, with their incentives to bring the business back to California because they saw how much it was coming based on the wonderful program we had here in Louisiana. And and the program here is still here, and we'll, we'll continue to bring uh, more people back in. But, yeah, it is down. Um, and currently, compared to other cities, like I said, Atlanta's high. But most of the other incentive states, they're still they're, they're at lower levels of, um, uh, of membership working. And it's more than just movies, right? You had TV, commercials, Correct. everything. Movies, TV, commercials. Um, we also, I'm trying to think, there's a few. Uh, Netflix is starting to come into play. There's a lot of this new media. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different things. Uh, and a lot of times the uh, reality shows aren't something that we cover, that we necessarily work with all the time. So, uh, th- but those are starting to become union projects as well. Wow. And, you know, it's kind of an odd question, but I was surprised that you had your own union. Uh, you mm-hmm. wouldn't part- you weren't part of something else. Has that always been the case? The um, the international uh, is over a hundred years old and started out covering theater workers, and then as technology has changed and grown, they began covering the the industries that that naturally came out of theater and then fell, fell into film. And as technology grow, grew with film. They started covering everybody. They started covering the projectionists. Started covering the cameraman. They started covering uh, the different aspects. And so, what we find is that we're always adding new crafts to our union members and to our workers. Um, so, here in Louisiana, and and we actually cover Louisiana, Southern Mississippi, and now Mobile, Alabama. For, our, for the film workers, there are also other locals within IATSE who cover the theatrical portion or who cover the um, exhibition halls and things oh. like that. So, but we're forever, because of technology, adding new crafts. Uh, new, you know, because there are different artists that you need in oh, film sure, and, yeah. and, the, and in theater to make sure that you're moving forward and progressing with the times and keeping current. 
Lenny, at the end of the day, the film business is manufacturing. It might be more fun and glamorous than making other products, but like other manufacturers who get products made in Taiwan or Korea, film production goes where there's cheap labor or money, uh, including at various times Canada, New Zealand, the Czech Republic, uh, and North Carolina. All these places had their day in the sun. Hollywood rolled into these cities, states, and countries, and when things looked brighter someplace else, they moved on. Uh, wouldn't it be reasonable to expect the same thing was going to happen in Louisiana? Well, in the beginning, when, when we first saw the legislation passed in now 2000, this is 2002? 2002. Okay, good. The, the only real criticism we heard back then was, are there enough crews? And to the great success of IATSE, and they're not only training programs, but the ability to attract the talent from other states that wanted to live here. Clearly, this environment was one of the best selling points we had. It was an untapped uh, um, environment from just the swamps. The, we used to say the only thing we don't have is mountains. Everything else they want, we created. And the unions caught up with that need, and they, we ended up becoming one of the most attractive places because the labor pools were well-trained, well-respected, and all the time we'd see these successes on the Academy Awards or the Emmys, they would always do a shout-out to the great talent in Louisiana, and the local, the people, those who participated, allowing people to use their neighborhoods and their houses and their, and their offices, were wonderfully supportive of the industry. And so let me, let me just say, we were, more, we were attractive for more than just the tax credits to these folks. Absolutely. Okay. The credits drew the interest here. And we lived through probably eight or ten legislative changes that was attempting to make it more transparent, much more pliable and attractive to bring business here. And we saw that create this wonderful boom in business, and we were the first place every major studio looked at since this was originally initiated. They compared every other location, both nationally and internationally, to what Louisiana was offering, and we had it. And tell me about, uh, we, we all think of the, the, the trucks and such, but what are, how big is the ripple effect when you make a movie? Uh, I, maybe Julie, I don't... I... Well, you know, I, I was looking at some information earlier that was from my parish um, talking about the amount of money that when it's generated um, to the shops, to the lumber yard, to the employees, you know, just down to groceries and just right. everything that these guys buy, uh, that it had a $9 million impact to Jefferson Parish, which is a, a good impact. Yeah. We, we know how we, how we lost it. Um, what can we do to get it back? One of the things I hear from the people in the film industry is that the film industry gets spooked when the rules keep changing. Um, you know, in fact, if there was just one change, they would adapt and move on. What, what do you think? I mean, you're, you're up there, Julie. What do you think? I mean, as long as we're living from paycheck to paycheck and we're in this financial limbo, we're never going to be able to afford it. So let's get our state straightened out so that we can afford this. Then once we do that, then we can look at how do we get this back-end cap. So this cap on the number of uh, credits that can be taken on a return in a year. With that needs to go because, and, and I said this when it was first done, that is impairing people's assets. We have given these people a letter saying that these are solid assets. They're not even film producers. They're just right. people and companies that have bought credits. And then we're coming back to them when we pass this legislation and saying, you may or may not get to take this credit. Right. That's dangerous precedent. So if we want to have a credit on the front end on what we give initial certifications to, 
I'm okay with that. Um, so I think that w what we need to do probably is set up some sort of uh, um, removal of that back end cap. Now, if we remove that back end cap just altogether, there's going to be a flood. And Louisiana will have a fiscal problem created just by removing the back end cap. So I think that what you have to do is remove the back end cap in stages and then even possibly have it be a rolling cap and done in stages. But something the industry would understand. That, that, that's ahead. right. Yeah. And something that has an end, like maybe over three years, we right. remove it. And then you concentrate your energies on a front end cap. If we still need a cap, um, and, and maybe you want to have a cap even if we don't need it, because maybe you want to say that we're not going to issue or pre-certify more than $300 million right. worth of credits or 250 or something that doesn't say we want less of you here. Right. Something right. that says we, we love you guys. We just can't afford to go over this very high level of production. Don, now your folks seem pretty mobile. Uh, they've moved out. If, would they come back? Um, I think I think they would, and and there really hasn't been there hasn't been this mass exodus, okay. at least within within our union. There have been many of our members who have um, opted to go work in Atlanta, to go work in North Carolina or Savannah or something like that for the time being, but they're still Louisiana residents and they still call Louisiana their home, and they're still going to pay their taxes in Louisiana. So. They're, but they're holding out and ready to come back to work as soon as there's a project here that they can work on. And if you move to Atlanta, you have to watch the Braves. They're in last exactly. place. Right? It's a very tough place. To now, <laughs> Lenny, uh, is there local investment money here that could build a, a kind of a local-only industry? Well, that's a good question. And because I'm in the financial world, that's brought to me quite often. Um, we did change one of the rules um, in the last session that allows banks to lend against tax credits, which okay. hadn't existed in a way that protected the banks. Now when they lend, they can get the credit directly uh, issued to them, and they can sell it back to the state at 85 cents. We're in a bit of a ugly bind right now. We're early in July. The state came back as a buyer, and the state buys those credits at 85 cents. The fiscal year that ended June 30th showed that there was about 70 million unused under the 180 cap. Okay. Shocking, but true. What happened, and it was probably predictable, is that all the studios that were sitting on the credits that didn't get out before the state was removed came crashing in the door the first day of July and Friday. And we understand today, in the middle of July, that the amount of credits that have been redeemed or delivered to the state is over $240 million. Whoa. And we don't know what the rollover number is, and we've heard we may not know till August or September. So I can sit here and say we've kind of lost the incentive for a year because of the word cap, because of the removing of the state, because of a lot of things. We need buy-in from members of the legislative process, and we need to erase the confusion that right now sits like a pall over the industry where when people call me as they do on a regular basis about the latest updates on the film program, I have to say, we're out of money. There's no room left under the current budget in the credit cap until next July. That's not a healthy situation that hopefully this governor who's at least at least come out pro-film and been, a, been an early advocate to, to correct it and to make it work, we're 100% in his camp, and we hope that he's successful 
and winning over enough legislators to address what right now is a really handicap in the program. Lenny, I was going to ask you one question, and that is these films, I think, uh, probably have quite a bit of lead time. So even if you were able to change the legislation, you could make those positive phone calls. It would be a while before we saw the trucks start lining up again. Yeah, I would say that you have at least a 12 to 18-month gap. It took us eight years to become a real major player. And as long as there's skepticism and doubt in the eyes of the studios and the independent movie producers who have options of where they want to shoot, we're now probably the eighth or ninth place they look. Even though we have fabulous studios that are wide open and available, we have a fabulous, well-educated and positive crew base, we have an infrastructure like Photochem and other major companies that are here providing the exact same feel like you're in California, and a history of fabulous production credits and and a wealth of of, uh, successful accolades posted on the films that are shot here, it's, it's an easy sell, except that ha- we have a lot of work to re- 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 oh, sure. fix our reputation that's undermined a lot of the confidence that was there. Well, there's also, it's also a process. It, you know, you, it takes a while to, to get a film started. So even if I started, I said today, okay, I'm going to make this film. I'm going to make this million-dollar movie. And I've got my money. So now I've still got to finish getting the script, getting uh, finish all the, the prep work ahead of it. So let's say that I start shooting in December. Okay, I, got, I started shooting in December. It takes me a month, maybe two, to finish shooting, get editing done. By the time that I finally get to the point of I'm ready to f- finalize and certify my tax credits... It's been, it, it takes at least a year to get to that. And then you've still got to finish the audit process that the state now has in place. Right. So it's not, it's, not a short, I mean, it's not a short thing that's going to happen. It's going to take some time. Everybody's going to be able to, um, to eventually get back into it. So even if, even if there was, even if the, if the cap was now met with, right. with this um, from people going after the buyback, the people who would start filming now, they wouldn't even be issued their credits for over a year now. So yeah. there's no reason not to come and start filming in Louisiana. Lenny, on that timeline, where do you come in? It used to be that if you were given a credit, you could sell it to the state within a year of its issuance. Right. Well, we removed the state for a year. But we didn't honor and respect those who didn't have a chance to sell to the state before the year was up because the time had expired. To me, that's, that's cruel and unusual, and it sets a bad message to the, to the production companies who need to be treated with the respect that they believed existed at the time they came here under the old rules. I think last time we spoke, or at least a few years ago, they talked about having the movies here but not quite getting the post-production. Then we actually got the post-production, yes. right? And that was a big deal. Yes. We're, we, uh, Peter Santoro came here f- four and a half, five years ago. Brett Photo came here. And Susan Brennan finished her studio. We visited right. with her at the time. We got the Big Z Studios out in New Orleans East. We got NCAS sitting in the NIM Center. We, have, we just finished Scream. That was out in the uh, Coyote in uh, St. Charles Parish. Celtic's got a beautiful facility. It's dark and empty. And this is a crime, and it's a shame, because people made an investment on the faith and belief that the state would do what they put into power 12 years ago. It took us eight years to get that commitment for an investment in brick and mortar that was also one of the weak points 
and our vulnerability four or five years ago. This state's perfectly posed right now to bring it all back. We have the reputation, we have the facilities, we have the, we have the uh, trained talent. There's not a single thing we don't have here except consistency in the message we deliver to Hollywood in honoring our word at the time that they came here. When you start watching a Hollywood movie, you assume it's going to have a happy ending. Uh, there, there are more independent movies where things can get a little grittier and not everybody ends up better off than they started out. Whether Louisiana is living the Hollywood dream and it's all going to be great in the end or we're headed for a third act of a darker tale, that's all going to fade to black. Well, time will tell. Uh, till then, I'm sure that you all, Lenny, Don, and Julie, uh, we'll be doing everything you can to get the state and the industry back on the yellow brick road. Uh, uh, here it's time to cue up the final credits music. Thank you all for taking the time to join me on Out to Lunch today. Great. I Thank learned, you. I Thank learned you. a lot. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Lenny Alsfeld, President and CEO of FBT Investments, Don Arevalo, uh, Assistant Business Agent of the Labor Union IATSE 478, and Louisiana State Representative for District 79, Julie Stokes. You can find out more about Julie, Lenny, and Don's adventures in the screen trade by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is engineered by Chris Keogh and our researcher is Matthew Ellison. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music, including his latest record, Puzzle, is at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, and who wouldn't, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace. For more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp and 30 North Investments.